Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Man, what a great day. Listen, we don't take the presence of God lightly around here, and I just want you to know, man, you're in an environment today where God can do anything that you need in your heart today, and so I'm just so thankful that you're here. I know it's already been said, but to our guests who maybe you're hanging out with us for the first time, welcome to Cultivate Church. We hope you leave better than you came. I'm excited that you're here today, and I'm excited about our series that we're beginning today called Insta, so I want you to go ahead and grab your outline for today's message as we, uh, as we get ready for this. I'm really excited because I believe that we're talking about one of the most important aspects and one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us, and that's relationships. Um, everything about a relationship we're going to cover this month, from dating to married life to uh, children to difficulties and when things go the wrong way and how we deal with those uh, issues and navigate those areas of our relationships. But uh, we titled your series uh, Insta because we live what we believe in an Instagram world. Many of us scroll the screen and we see what looks to be perfection in the lives of everybody else. You see perfect uh, people dating perfect people. You see perfect marriages. You see perfect kids. You see perfect pets in the perfect places. I mean, everything looks so good on Instagram. And there's this certain uh, emotion that it gives that when you scroll the screen, you feel worse about yourself. You ever notice that? You go, my family don't look like that. My dog still... Messes in the floor. I mean, you think you go, there's so much that you I mean, I just feel bad about myself. But there's something about Instagram that people don't see. It's the, the tens or twenties, fifties, or maybe hundreds of pictures still on the camera roll that didn't make the cut. Now, ladies, you guys, I'm just telling you, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just stating the facts. That one picture that looks so good, that duck face selfie that looks so awesome. Took you 20 times to get that. We all know it. Those get left on the camera roll. And so this month, we're going beyond the screen, and we want to talk about what's left on that camera roll. The stuff that doesn't make the cut, because that's real life. It's the hurts, it's the pains, it's the desires, it's the hopes, the dreams, the wishes. It's the what we thought it was going to be, but it turned out to be something different. And so as we talk about relationships all month long, we're going to talk about different aspects of the, the navigating of the greatest gift God gave us, and that's in relationships. And today, I titled your message, Hashtag Single Life, because we're going to talk about some single living in here today. Some of you are single, ready to mingle. Any single people in here? I'm just kidding. Put your hands down. Nine o'clock was like, whoop, whoop. So I said, just put it on your connect card. Make sure you take life 1.0 and, and purpose 2.0. We'll take your personality profile. We'll mix it with some other single people in the church, and we'll help get you connected, okay? This is your own match.com right here at Cultivate Church. We'll hook you up. Some of you are going, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've been married for 30 years. Uh, well, this is going to apply to you because the principles that we're talking about today are going to cover all aspects of relationships. Some of you are married in here wishing you were single again. That's for another week. We're going to cover that too. So don't miss. I'm just telling you, we're going to cover it all. Because love is something that we all desire. It is, it is ingrained in us since the beginning of time, a desire for love. It's a desire in our hearts. It's pre-programmed in our emotions. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the power of love. Notice in 1 Peter 4 and 8, it says, Most of all, of everything we could talk about, most of all, 
Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Love has the power to change things, to change people, to change atmospheres, to change circumstances. When it goes beyond our feelings or our emotions, and it is real God-given love, it changes stuff. And the problem is we spent a lot of time last month talking about this, this motion of culture and the way culture tells us to do things. And we're to be in the world and not of it. So that means our relationships and the way that we live and love, it ought to be different. Now, culture has a way of doing it that we're all following and falling into trouble. As a matter of fact, I found an article that tells you single people how to not be single anymore just simply through Instagram. You ready for this? Now, don't do this, but I'm just telling you what the world tells us. It says, first of all, make sure your profile picture is public so everybody can see you. Now, if you're going to be shopped for, you don't want to be on the back of the shelf. You want to be on the front, right? Go ahead and just be plain. State it in your bio that you're single, you know. I love long walks on the beach, kittens, and I'm single, ready to mingle, all right? Follow people that you want to date. So just when you scroll, then just hit that follow button and start following them. And then start liking their post slowly, so that you don't appear to be a stalker, okay? That one word, slowly, that's important there. And then begin to like all of your crushes' selfies, not with their buddies, but just that one picture. That way they know I'm into you. Start commenting on their post and use the heart emoji. That's important. Now write that detail down, the heart emoji, okay? Use hashtag single, single life and dating so that people can find you and then follow others who use the similar hashtags and then send your crush a direct message and then just send them your digits and then get married and live happily ever after. Isn't that good? Come on, isn't that great? Don't do it. Don't do it at all. So what do we do? How do we navigate this life? So I want us to be prepared today because I'm talking single life, but I'm also talking foundational truths that if you've been married one year, 10 years, 20, or 50, that this is going to apply in every aspect of relationship in our lives. So I want us to pray and I want us to ask God to help us to receive his word today. So Father, I love you. You are the greatest love of all. Father, there's no one who has loved us the way that you have. You gave so that we could have relationship with you. You sent your son to die so that we could be connected in relationship. So today, we thank you for the greatest love, and we pray that as it has been modeled to us, we could receive it today. So we prepare our heart to receive from your word, and God, I know that life change will take place if only we would receive it today and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, as we go through three things, a process, just three steps today that I believe will set us up for healthy, successful relationships. And here's how my brain is functioning today, so you can go along with me. I'm thinking about this in the terms of, of cooking something that you would desire, your, your favorite meal, your favorite sweet. Do we have any chefs in here like you're really good cooks? I am not. I love the fact that if you want something, if you want a cake, you can buy it in a box, and there's numbers, one, two, three, that tells you exactly what to do. Number one, open the box. Number two, open the package. Number three, pour it. I like that. Simplicity. I need those step-by-steps because if I don't do it step-by-step and I make it up my own way, some of you know how to do a dash of this and a dash of that. I can't do that. i got to follow the steps, one, two, and three. And so I'm thinking of this today and this process of navigating love and single life in a way that God would give us a recipe for putting something together that you would desire. So how, for your, how do you do this? If you're hungry for love, number one, write this down. The first thing you need to do is you need to make love. Some of you, I'm praying you meet Jesus. Go ahead and get your head out of the gutter. See, I know which of you need to find Jesus today because your brain's already there. I'm not, we're not there yet, okay? Let me explain this. 
When you, when you go to prepare something that you desire, if you're going to make that sweet, you're going to make that cake, you got that recipe, you need all the right ingredients. See, the first thing you have to have is all the stuff. If you're going to make stuff, if you're going to, if you're going to cook it, you've got to have the right ingredients. You've got to know the recipe, and then you've got to have the ingredients. And so if you're going to make something, you've got to know what you need in order to get what you desire. And the Bible is so clear. The Bible is so plain of all the ingredients of love. Look at the Bible with me in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. The Bible is, this is the love chapter. It says, love is patient and love is kind. Underline these as we hit these. That's an ingredient. Patient and kind. I'm not a patient person, so that tells me right there I need to work on that ingredient. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Man, in just that chapter alone, in those few verses, all the ingredients for love are listed right there. And when we realize that something is missing, that's an opportunity for God to be able to bring it to my attention to go, I need these ingredients if I'm going to get what our desire. The challenge is this. Many of you, if you've ever been cooking, I've witnessed this. I've experienced this, that when you're making grandma's recipe and it requires that one thing, that one bowl or lard of fat. You know what I'm talking about? That's how they used to cook back then. Keep the grease fat and add it to everything. And when that's missing, you go, I don't have it. So what is the closest thing I can get to this ingredient, and you begin to substitute. And you take that ingredient, and you put it in the mixture with all of the others, and then when it is served, you wonder, will anyone notice? It's close enough. It's good enough. That will be just fine until everybody at the table takes a bite, and they kind of go, hmm, what's different about this? I mean, it's good, but it's just something's a little off. And you realize you substituted an ingredient. There are many of us navigating relationships today. We are so desiring to have it that we are willing to substitute the real stuff for something else. Culture says to spend all of our time searching and looking for that right person. But the Bible says spend more time preparing to be the right person. In other words, stop looking about everything you want and then go, what ingredients are missing in my life so that everything, once it is baked and ready, that God can do something with it? I say do it this way. Get you a list going, one through ten. Everything you want from another person. I mean, write it down. And I know the number one, you, I know you're going to say this is vain, this is true. You want them to look good. you got to look at them for the rest of your life. And when you see them, that's the best it's ever going to be. I want you to know. It is all downhill from there. So you need to start as the close to the top as you can possibly start. You need to just begin here because we're going to all end up down here. So they need to, they need to, you know, you got them to look a certain way. And maybe you want them to be, you know, thoughtful. Maybe you want them to be romantic. Maybe you want them to be funny. Maybe you want them to be rich. I, I think that's a good one. Maybe you want them to have a good credit score. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you got a list of the top ten things that you want to receive. And that's great. You need that. You need to know what you're looking for. But then on the other side, we need to have a 1 through 10 of everything I have to be in order to receive the desire of my heart. See, if we were on a 1 through 10 scale of what we desire, and then we look at our own life, and we're, we're batting at about a 3, if you sow a 3, you know what you're going to reap? A 2 and a half. Because there's always bugs in the crop. There's always some that gets burned up. There's some that don't make it. 
So the Bible says the principle of sowing and reaping, if I'm sowing myself as a three, I'm going to reap at best a two and a half because I haven't prepared the, the, the recipe, haven't gathered all the right ingredients in order to receive what it is that I desire in my life. So why is it that we would settle for less than God's best? Many of us are going, well, it's good enough. But God said, wait a minute. I wanted you to have great. I wanted you to experience my heart and my desire for relationship. But instead, you're skimping on all the ingredients. Don't do that. And I think there's three specific areas that you ought to write these down. That These are ways that, that you need to get yourself together. These are key ingredients. And first, that's your spiritual life. It's your spiritual life. Listen, we need to have a devotion to spiritual disciplines. Listen, I've got to be it before I can receive it. And I need to be so, so in tune with Jesus that when, that when Bozo walks in the door, he says, uh-uh, not today. And that's not going to work. There ought to be a red flag, an alarm going off when something is not right. But instead, I'm so caught up in this Instagram world that I see it and everything looks good on the surface. So everything must be good below the surface, right? But there's godly standards that we need. You need to have some godly standards in your life. And I think three questions you can ask yourself is, who will I be? Who am I? What are my standards? What are my values? What do I stand for? What am I not willing to bend on? This is who I am. This is who God has created me for. And look, I am God's son. I am God's daughter. He loves me, and he expects the best for my life. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. I am going to be the person God created me to be. And then you ask the question, well, who will I see? So secondly, you need to know if they don't match the standards of living and the standard of, of the devotion to the spiritual disciplines, then they don't need to be in your life. The Bible says, how can two walk together if they don't agree? You can't. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked, which means don't think you're going to change them. Because you see a little bit of it in dating, you're going to see a lot of it in marriage. You're not going to change the game, but if you are who you need to be, God will help you to see the person that you need to be seeing. And then you ask yourself, well, what will I do? Because those godly standards, will they'll, they'll set some boundary lines. And you say, we're not going to cross those boundary lines. And if you're pursuing your purpose and you're looking for God's best, then when they pursue their purpose and those lines intersect, you'll know that God's brought you a gift. So you need to have some spiritual boundaries. You need to have your spiritual ingredients. You need your emotional life in order. The Lord needs to deal with how you feel. There are many of us that are so emotionally unhealthy that we can't handle another emotional wreck in our life. I ain't got my own stuff together yet. I don't need yours. My wagon is full. I got enough crazy in my own boat. I can't handle yours too. And emotions are tough. They lie to us. They're difficult. It's like going to a restaurant. You've been to a restaurant. You're, I mean, you're hungry. Your stomach's already rumbling. You just need to eat. And you wait forever to be seated. And then finally you're seated. And then your waitress, it's her first day. She don't even know what's happening in the world. And she's slow, and there's no rolls ready for you. There's no chips and salsa ready to munch on. Everything is going wrong, and you're getting angrier by the moment. Some of you are too saved. You never had this experience, but I've experienced this. And then you notice those people that came in after you have been seated. They have their, their appetizers and their full course meal before you even get your appetizers. By this point, you're ready to blow your lid. You want to talk to the manager, the manager's manager. You want to get the owner on the phone, and you can call the police because I need some help here today. <laughs> now, the problem 
appears that it's bad service, it's a bad establishment, it's, it's a whole bad experience. But none of that is the problem. The real problem is the fact that you are hungry. That's what's pushing it all. If you went in there like, man, I just ate 30 minutes ago. I'm not real hungry. I enjoy the company I'm with. You're not concerned with how long it takes. You're just happy to be there, happy that you're not cooking and happy that somebody else is waiting on you. You have forgotten. Your emotions have gotten out of control and forgot the reason that you were upset to begin with. And emotionally, there is a foundational root in some of our lives as the reason that everything is out of control and my emotions are out of place. And because my emotions are out of place, my actions are out of place, and we blame it on everything and everybody except for the real reason I was just hungry. And I need God to take these ingredients and he needs to make me spiritually ready. He needs to make me emotionally ready. And then I think number three, write this down, you need to be physically ready. Now listen, I, I just believe this. Our spiritual life and our physical life go hand in hand. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. There are many of us, we, are, we don't feel good that we have so much medicine that we're on. We got so much stuff going on physically that we just can't tackle life on purpose. And it literally just needs to be a discipline that I get my physical life in order. I expect to live a long life. And if you're going to tag along with me, I need you to hang in here. We need to be, we need to be whole. We need these ingredients at work in our life. It's not rocket science. It's just saying, God, what did you say? How do I receive it? And then what do I do with it? And then number two, this is the tough part, is you need to bake it. Once you make it, the next step is you put it in that oven and it's got to bake. Now, this is the difficult part because this is where waiting comes in. You, you're, doing the, you're doing the fun part. You got your apron on. You got your hat. You're dancing in the kitchen. You're singing. You're putting it together. This is going to be awesome. And then you got to put it in the oven and you got to wait. There's a process that has to take place. Look at it with me on your outline. Song of Songs 8.4 says, Young women of Jerusalem promise me never to awaken love. Underline this statement, before it's ready. Don't tackle it before it's ready. Don't go chasing. I know they're there and they're breathing and they're willing and able. I know that. It's a warm body. They're not too bad. I mean, you know, I don't want to miss out. You know what I'm saying? Don't awaken love before it's ready. Proverbs 24 gives us some wisdom. It says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established, through knowledge its rooms are filled, and with rare and beautiful treasures. Notice this. It's a three-step process. First, you build it. Then you establish it. And then you fill it. There's a process that's taking place here, and you can't rush the process it needs time to bake. Now, I told you, I don't know how to cook anything. My wife's a good cook. I know nothing. I like those things that are frozen that give you the instructions of open the box, peel back the layers, stick it in the oven, and let it cook. And I'll never forget one time I cooked a, a frozen lasagna. You ever done that? A good frozen lasagna. And I opened the box, and I'm, you know, I'm used to, I like the microwave stuff. Pop it in there, 30 seconds, and you're ready to roll. Good hot pocket, you know what I'm saying? I ain't had a po hot pocket in like 20 years. But that frozen lasagna, you put it in the oven, and it says something like 60 minutes. And I thought, this is frozen stuff. Homemade should take 60 minutes. What is this? And I'll never forget that I, every like 10 minutes, because I was starving, I would go to the oven, and I would open the door and peek inside just to see if it's ready or not, let alone the fact that it gave me a, good, a big hint, 60 minutes, pal, 
When 60 minutes is up, then it's ready. I think after 10, maybe there's a little hope. So I open the oven. And I don't know if you know this about cooking. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. That it needs to be hot in order to cook. And every time you open the oven, you're resetting the process. You're letting all the heat out. Some of us keep running and opening the oven to see if they're ready. And you got to let all the heat out. So I keep looking and I keep checking and I keep looking. About 45 minutes in, I notice something. We've had some progress. The top of the lasagna, it's golden brown. Cheese bubbling. I said, oh, we are ready to roll. There's 15 minutes left, but that don't matter. I can see that it's ready. I'm not, I'm not that slow. I can see that it's cooked. It's ready. I don't want it to burn. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, I don't want it to burn. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to overdo it. So I take it out of the oven. It's hot. Oven mitts. Put it down. Got my plate ready. Got my drink fixed. And I get a knife to cut it. And as soon as I put the knife in that lasagna, you know what I hear? Crunch, crunch, crunch. Because it's frozen on the inside. See, it looked good on the outside, but it's frozen on the inside. See, your crush could be looking nice, but still be as cold as ice. (laughs) You need to know that. You take it out of the oven before it's ready, and you got to deal with the consequence. It looked really good on the outside. The cheese was bubbling. It was golden brown. Isn't that how lasagna is supposed to look? But beneath the surface of all those layers... It hadn't cooked long enough yet. And I didn't know it until I had already taken out of its environment, placed it to be served, cut it on the inside to find that it was as cold as ice. Some of us are in this process that you're so hungry and you're so ready that you just keep checking that oven and you keep waiting to remove it, to get something that is not ready. Let me tell you something. You don't want it till it's baked. You're crazy enough on your own. I'm crazy enough on my own. I don't need anything else until it is fully prepared. Listen, I'm going to tell you a few things not to rush. Three things. Write these down. Don't rush your emotions. In relationship, don't rush the emotions. I told you about being emotionally healthy. Well, don't rush them. When you get there, you get that help, don't rush them. Proverbs 4 and 23, write this down. It says that the heart... It's the wellspring of life. Everything flows from the heart. Your heart's attached to your emotions, and emotions will make you do crazy things. Your emotion can swing from zero to ten in in two seconds and get you in trouble. You'll say something you didn't mean to say. You'll do something you didn't mean to do. You need to be emotionally healthy, and don't rush your emotions. Don't make them work for it a little bit. Be certain before you give your emotions away to people. And then your commitments. Listen, don't rush your commitments. Listen, there's a trend that's happening right now in in young people between the ages of 18 and 24. Marriage is declining and cohabitation is on the rise. And people say for good reasons. They say, well, you know, what's the point in getting married? It's just a, it's just a ceremony, and uh, I can't afford to live on my own. It makes more sense. We don't want to be in debt, so we're going to make a responsible decision. We're just going to move in together. The problem is this. Statistics show that, that it increases the rate of divorce for those who live together before marriage by 50%. And that's across the board. That's not, that's not Christian research. That's just marriage research. The problem is we are training ourselves for divorce. We're training ourselves that commitments don't matter 
And as soon as it doesn't feel good anymore, as it's not fun anymore, if it doesn't make me happy anymore, I can just walk away, no harm, no foul, enjoyed it while it lasted, and we'll move on to something else. And that leads us on a path of searching for something that we will never find because we are doing it the world's way. Don't rush your commitments. And then the third thing is don't rush your intimacy. Now listen, I... The Bible is, is, is very clear in this process. The Bible gives us incredible pictures of what relationships look like. From the beginning, it was Adam, Eve, and God. God created Adam and Eve for relationship together, and they had direct relationship with God. It's the perfect picture of what God desires for our relationships. Then in the, in the New Testament, the Bible talks so much about marriage. And as a matter of fact, the marriage is a great picture of what the Bible describes as Jesus is the groom and we are his bride. That we are being prepared for him. That we're taking our ingredients and we're preparing our life for him to receive us. And then the Bible gives us this picture of intimacy between a man and a woman. And that is when the Bible says, two become one. And it is this beautiful picture that God gave us, the most intimate two people can be, that God would design something for you to be closer in your relationship to exceed anything the world can understand. The problem is, and this is a strong statement, but hear me, is that you can't be one with everybody. And what we don't understand is that when we give ourselves away, that we are, we are, we are contradicting the exact plan and perfection of what God desired for us to experience something in a way that is perfect in the way God intended for it to be. Now, you may be in this room or watching online going, man, I've already blown it. There's no hope for me. I mean, what do I do? Well, I can tell you this. The Lord redeems everything. The Lord can redeem all things. And the Bible says that when I give my life to him, the Bible says I am a brand new creation, that all things are made new. I just have to decide that I'm going to take the ingredients. I'm going to let God construct me and make me healthy. And then I'm going to give it time to simmer and bake and cook all the way through. And then the beautiful and fun part is number three, is you get to take it. It's the fun part. It's ready. You've waited and you've prayed and you've believed and you've let God do the work. And then the Bible says, the Lord said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a suitable helper. God planned it. He designed it. He desires it for you. Then he said in Proverbs 18.22, it says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. It's a good thing. Relationships are good things. And you get to that point and it's ready. It's out of the oven and you make that decision to take it. Well, that's great, but you need to understand exactly what it is that you're taking. You're taking their family. Stop. They're going to be there. In-laws, outlaws, X's and O's, they're going to be there. You're getting their personality. You're getting their, you're getting their good side. And you're getting their bad side. You're getting their stinky feet, dirty socks. Come on. You're getting their messes. You're getting their habits. You're getting the way mama trained them, and you're trying to retrain them. I mean, you're getting all this stuff. And you just have to know that when you take it, you need to know what you're getting. You need to count the cost. And the best way for you to do it is, is you seek help and counsel from other people. Ask your parents. Write that down. Ask your parents. So I don't ask my parents. Well, Ephesians 6 and 4, if you've got godly parents, it says parents give godly wisdom. And if you've got godly parents in your life, then, then you, you ask them. You ask for their input. 
You say, is this, is this person right for me? Do you see, the, do you see that God has put us together? It's, it's wisdom to ask. They know you better than anybody else knows you. But we don't want to receive from the people the closest to us because they don't know anything, right? No. Good godly parents give good godly wisdom. And then if you don't have that, ask your pastors. I told you I can spot crazy a mile away. I can tell you real quick. I'll just tell you straight up. No. What'd your mama say? No. No. And if that don't work, maybe this will help. Ask the Lord. I think he'd give you some wisdom. Maybe get in a small group. They start today, by the way. Get you, a, get you a directory, find you a small group, and then find somebody in that small group you can build a relationship with and go, hey, I've been dating this guy. Is he a knucklehead or is he a keeper? Will you tell me which one? Mm, I don't know. I think you can do better. Find people that can ask you and people that can help you and people that can speak into your life that you can trust. When you're deciding if I'm going to take it, if I'm going to live my life in this decision, now, some of you are in here, and you may be single, and you may be going, man, I feel so misunderstood, and I feel so alone. Because everybody else is seeking this and looking for this, and everybody else desires this, but I'm okay. Is something wrong with me that I'm okay just as I am? Well, I skipped one verse that I want to read to you now on your outline, 1 Corinthians 7 and 7. This is Paul speaking, who, by the way, wrote much of the New Testament, who planted early churches, the reason that we're here today. This is what he said. I wish that all of you were as I am. What does he mean? He was single. He said, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, and another has that. You may be in this place completely content, and pressures around you, people are staring at you like something is wrong, and maybe you have the plague why aren't you married yet? Don't you, want a, don't you want some kids? Don't you want somebody to grow old with? You know, Just be content. Paul said it's a gift. It's a gift that you can do that. That's okay. When you seek the heart of God, here's the bottom line. God will direct you if you're willing to let him make you, bake you, so that when you will be ready, when someone's ready to take you. Today in our relationships, these are all principles that maybe you're married in here and you're going, man, we're just having trouble. Maybe you need to go back and you need to examine your relationship and go, what ingredients are we missing? Sit down together, talk this out. What are we missing here? Well, I tell you real quick, you're not very patient. You're pretty rude, okay? Go ahead and put it out in the open. You go, hey, we need to address that because love is patient. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love covers a multitude of sins. So today, we're going to pray that God would check our heart and our pursuit of our relationships. I want you to bow your head. I want to pray for you. And if you're our guest today, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you. I just want to pray for you. Our team's going to come back. They're going to play softly. And, and here's my heart today. This is my desire. For those of us who are in this room, for those of you who are online or watching, listening through a podcast, here's, here's, here's our hope. Is that in this moment, it becomes personal. It's very easy for your mind to be set on the other person, on your desire. But this is a moment for all of us, single or married, in difficult relationships. This is an incredible moment. Just to say, God, I need you to examine me. What's missing in my life? What ingredients have been substituted? And I would say this, you may be in this room or watching online, listening, and you've never said yes to Jesus. And I just want to tell you, 
That's the first step. That is the very foundational hope for everything. For everything of my life, every aspect of it comes down to my relationship with Jesus. I'm not perfect today. I don't have it all together. I don't know all the answers, but I can tell you. If not for Jesus, where would I be? He's working on me and helping me every single day. And he wants to do the same for you. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to make that decision today. And I'm going to pray for you. Then I want to pray across all aspects of our relationship that the Lord will help us today. Not to live that insta life where we scroll the screen, but we go behind the scenes and let God begin to deal with some stuff. To show us in areas that we're missing it. Some things he needs to correct. Some relationships that need to be restored or strengthened. I'm just believing today that whatever you need, God can do it. So Jesus, right now, I celebrate you. You're the source of it all. You're the hope. You are the one that changes our lives. And so today, Jesus, for all of us who may need you today, have never said, be the Lord of my life. Not only my Savior, but be the Lord. Be number one. We choose today to submit our life to you. We confess our sins. We've done it our own way. We've, we've made mistakes. But today, Jesus, we put you in your proper place, and that's number one in our lives. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for loving me so that I can have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray for all of us in relationships, those of us who are seeking them, those of us who are living in them, those of us who are enduring them. Jesus, today you know what we need. You've got all the ingredients for success. And so I pray as we take inventory of our life today that we would just be aware of what's missing so that you could help us be whole and complete. And Father, to be patient as we seek for it. Father, as we walk through difficult relationships that we're just patient, waiting on you for things to bake. And then as the opportunity approaches, Father, that we're able to weigh it all with wisdom to make good, healthy decisions so that we receive your best. God, the greatest desire for our lives, we want that from you. We won't settle for the good. We want the great. Thank you for speaking to us today. I believe that there's some, some marriages that are beginning to be restored today, some relationships, Father, that you're wanting to mend. I believe there's some people that have a deep desire in their heart to chase a relationship, and today you just gave them, God, the foundation to begin with. And so we celebrate it. We thank you for it. We honor you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Come on, church. I think that's worth celebrating today. Come on. Let's honor the Lord together.